Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. All right, um, uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn it to Proverbs 14, verse 1. And I'm, I'm uh, preaching just a single message tonight uh, that I've entitled Firm Foundation. And uh, as we were in Iceland on vacation for a week, God kind of spoke to me while we were there. Um, we were there in the capital, and from the capital, we kind of drove around the island, this frozen Arctic tundra-type place with all these waterfalls and volcanoes and very beautiful. And um, I didn't realize that there's a, a very strong Christian heritage there in Iceland. It was actually founded um, by a Viking who had converted to Christianity um, named Leif the Lucky. He uh, grew up in Greenland. His, his father was a famous uh, Viking explorer, and, and um, Leif converted to Christianity, and the, the ruler of Norway sent Leif to Greenland to preach the gospel to people there and uh, um, tell people about Jesus there. Leif actually discovered North America um, about 500 years before Christopher Columbus arrived here. So this is around 1000 AD. He um, established a settlement in Newfoundland, Canada, and then later on discovered Iceland and um, 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 established Christianity there so that there's like a thousand years of Christian heritage. You know, there's even a cross in their flag. And um, today there, there isn't much Christianity going on. We went to the, the, the main cathedral there and um, we were going to take an elevator up to the very top of the cathedral. It's the highest point in the capital of Iceland in Reykjavik, um, this, this beautiful cathedral. But as we're waiting in line to buy our tickets to ride the elevator up, I saw some of the church's literature, and it had a prayer, um, and uh, the, the prayer was to, to the queer God, and I thought, that's not a name of God. I, I've read the Bible, and I've never, ever seen queer God mentioned in the Bible, so I, I told Heather, I don't want to, you know, give this church $10 for a ticket to ride this elevator. Let's just, I'd rather, and there's much better things I can do with my money. But um, God spoke to me this, and um, it's, it's uh, Proverbs 14, verse 1. The wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. And uh, um, you know, this is, of course, speaking about, about um, you know, women building their homes. But I also, I also believe it's prophetic of the church, of the bride of Christ. The, the church, the body of believers, needs to be building the house of God, needs to be building the household of faith. And there are, there are groups of people who tear it down with their own hands, like um, certain, you know, denominations within Iceland I discovered. And as we're driving around there, there'd be just these little churches all around, just all around the country. And, and uh, a lot of them were just completely um, locked up, shut down, nothing much happening. And um, I just found it really sad that, you know, a thousand years of, of Christian heritage within probably just the past few decades has just been suddenly pulled down. And I just realized, you know, it takes a lot more time, a lot more effort to construct something than it does to deconstruct something. And even here in America, there, there's a certain movement called deconstructionism, which um, I, I'm strongly against. I understand when, when people are, are searching and people have questions, but um, to actively tear down something, um, this goes against what I try to do as, as a believer, what I try to do as a pastor. I'm a constructionist. I'm all about building the house of God, amen, building people's faith, building people. And I want to talk about this firm foundation upon which we build. And it's, it's important for all of us to be building the house of God, amen. 
to be building our lives on Jesus Christ, to be building our lives on the word of God, to be building our lives upon faith. Amen? So let's go to Matthew 16. And we'll start in verse 13 here, Matthew 16. In verse 13, it says, When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. So even in his time, there are a lot of people who didn't really have a clear revelation of who Jesus is. That's the same today. A lot of people don't really have a clear revelation of who God is. Even people who profess to be Christians, people who go to certain churches, they might say they think they know who God is. And they might you know, ascribe certain names to God or certain adjectives to God. But it doesn't really matter what other people say. He says here in verse 15, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is the more important question here. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Didn't hear anything about queerness in there, right? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He's saying you are Peter. In in the Greek, Peter is Petros. It means little rock. You're just a little rock, Peter, but on this rock, the Greek word for this rock is Petra. It's a giant rock. On this rock, on this giant rock, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven." We all are going to have to answer that question for ourselves. Who do we say that Jesus is? We need to say that he is the Christ. He is the son of the living God. And um, just having that revelation isn't quite enough. We need to follow Jesus' command, which is to follow him. Just knowing who Jesus is isn't enough. Amen. It's not about just getting people to to accept a a doctrine or accept. We, We have to follow him. We have to care about who Jesus is, care about his word, and follow him. We have to respond to that individual command that he has to all of us to follow him. And that's really where where true Christianity begins, where where just the power of God begins, is when we follow him. And I believe that Jesus wants the church to really exalt him. I just loved worship tonight because it was all about Jesus. He is worthy of it all. It was just lifting him up, exalting Jesus. And, um, And that's really our... Our, what we're to do as a group of believers, as a church, is to exalt Jesus, just make it all about him, not about us, not about what we think is right, what other, there are just so many screwy philosophies in the world today. And, and even here in America, there's just so many screwy philosophies, and um, just as we were going through Iceland, I just felt God just speaking to me, and just saying, as long as you are alive, You are to preach the word of God. You are to preach who Jesus is and not to shy away from it one inch. 
And I'm so thankful that we, 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 this is a word church. This church believes in the full gospel, the full word of God. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe in the power of the name of Jesus. We believe in the revelation of who Jesus is, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. We cannot shy away from that at all, not one single inch. And we really have to keep following the word of God. Another verse that God just really put on my heart as we were on vacation driving around was from Psalm 138, verse 2. And I want you to turn there really quick, Psalm 138, verse 2. And really, a lot of, a lot of believers um, start tearing down, you know, the foolish woman pulls it down with their hands. The way they start pulling things down is by disregarding the word of God. We're to build, build our house upon the word of God. The word is so important. The Bible is so absolutely essential to the church, so absolutely essential to our lives. You know, my, my great, great, great grandfather was a circuit riding, horseback riding preacher in eastern Colorado. He founded the first primitive Baptist church in Lamar, Colorado. We have his Bible. It's like this thick. And it's the same Bible that I'm preaching from tonight. I'm, well, not the exact. That, that one's a little. We still have it. My dad, you still have it, right? But Psalm 138, verse 2, let's read this here. It says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. I love that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise toward your holy temple. I, I the psalmist is worshiping towards the house of God. He understands the, the importance of, of, of the temple, of the church, of the, the house of God, and, and praising his name for his loving kindness and truth. I love that, that those two words are used together, loving kindness and truth. That reminds me of Jesus. He is full of grace, full of loving kindness, and full of truth. The name of God, the name of Jesus who God truly is, he's, he's full of grace and he's full of truth. For, I have, for you have magnified your word above all your name. Think about that. Think about how powerful the name of God is, how powerful the name of Jesus is. There's healing in his name. We want to shout his name in the streets, shout his name from the hilltops, proclaim the name of Jesus, but it says here that you have magnified your word above all your name. Man, the word of God is so essential, so absolutely powerful, and we can't shy away from the word of God. Amen. It all comes down to, to, to just sta standing firm upon the word of God. He has magnified his word even above his name. And um, just looking back at Matthew 16, uh, verses 13 through 19, this account with, with Jesus and his disciples, and especially Peter, um, Peter had something very special. He had, a, he had a personal revelation of who Jesus was. God wants to personally reveal Jesus as Lord to everyone here on earth. Several years ago, this is, this is right after I first moved here to become a pastor about seven years ago, I, I got up one, one service and prophesied that God would be moving mightily in, in across the world, but especially in Arab nations, that, that there would be great revival in Arab nations. 
And there, there has been just huge revival going on in, in various Arab nations. In Iran, there are just millions of people coming to Jesus. Millions of hearts opening up to Jesus. There are prophecies in the Old Testament um, talking about how God would use another people to provoke Jews unto salvation. And he's speaking about Gentiles, but I believe that he's speaking about Arab people. That there, there are going to be Arab, like, like just millions upon millions of Arab people coming to Jesus. When we went to Iceland, Heather had a word from God that we're going to minister to someone there in Iceland. And we, we you know, met lots and lots of people, lots and lots of tourists, lots and lots of locals. And all week, we didn't really, we, we didn't feel like drawn to, to, it wasn't quite happening. But the very last day we were there, we, we went out for, for, for brunch, and then we just had like an hour to kill before we went to the airport, and we just decided to stop by this clothing store. And as we're in the clothing store, um, Heather started talking to the, the, the little clerk there. Now she was talking to the clerk. She just asked him, you know, where are you from? He didn't want to really answer her. And um, I noticed that he looked a lot different than, than the other, you know, Nordic people. He didn't have blonde hair and blue eyes and, you know, this weird Icelandic accent. And, and he, he, um, he kind of opened up and shared, you know, I'm actually from Afghanistan. And um, she asked him, you know, he had a Brooklyn, New York sweatshirt on. And she asked him, well, have you ever been to, to the U.S.? And he said, no, I, I can't really travel because I'm here on a, you know, a refugee uh, status. So as we we're kind of talking to him, he, he's pretty much just isolated, stuck there in Iceland until, you know, he can get approved to, to get, you know, citizenship there. And I was just, I was actually thinking about, um, you know, people from our church. You know, I was thinking of Julia Mapatano, who came here from the Congo. Her and her husband came, their children, on a refugee status when Congo was, was you know, just going through a lot of war. They, they came to Atlanta um, as refugees. And I just, just thought about what God has done in her life and how she's now feeding and supporting 1,500 single moms and children every day, feeding them every single day in Congo. And just thinking about how awesome, how awesome God is. And uh, as I was, um, you know, talking to this man, um, um, I, I, could, I could just feel something stirring in my heart. I knew that this, this was the guy that Heather had, you know, been, been praying about. And um, I was just kind of chit-chatting with, with Heather. And she, she, she kind of, I think she knew that something was stirring in my heart. And she, just, she said, go ahead. Go ahead. And I just, I just walked up to Yamal. And um, just told Yamal, hey, Yamal, I'm a believer, and I just feel like I, I should pray for you. And um, I just asked him, can I pray for you? And I started praying for him, and, and just his heart just opened up. And I could, he, he just nearly started crying as I was praying for him, and we're praying just Jesus over him, praying for his situation, praying for his friends and family. Um, all of his family is still in Afghanistan, and he was telling us that... that um, you know, he just works as a taxi driver and part-time at this clothing store. And just his one, what he makes there doing that in Iceland supports 13 people in Afghanistan. Since the Taliban has taken over, um, it's, it's just become a, a horribly bleak situation for, for people there. And, and he said he supports 13 people um, there in Afghanistan. Even his brother, who's a medical doctor, who, um, you know, but while, while the U.S. was still there, he was able to make 1000 U.S. dollars a month. Which, which isn't that much, but since the Taliban took over, his, his wages have gone from $1,000 to $100 US a month. 
as a, as a medically trained doctor. And um, um, I could just, just sense that, the, man, man, people, hearts are opening up all around the world in unusual places. Uh, so, so we need to be on the lookout. And, and um, um, man, the, man, we need, I, I'm very thankful too, like while we were there in Iceland, we realized that there is a strong spirit-filled church there. God, God there's one. We, there, there is just one. But it's really cool. I was looking at their church, at their website, at who they are, and they had a guest speaker there who's come there a few times. And he's actually been a guest speaker at, at my church that I went to in Pittsburgh when I was in college here. So the world is a smaller place than we realize. But, but God, God leaves a light. There, there are lights shining all around the world. Amen? And um, man, God wants to personally reveal Jesus to every single person here on this earth. And um, I believe like Peter, you know, Andrew led Peter to Jesus. His brother led him to Jesus, told him about Jesus. But Peter had to receive that personal revelation from the Father, from, from God's Spirit, who Jesus really was. And Peter had to make a personal choice to follow after Jesus, to, to, to do what Jesus said. Follow after me and I'll make you a fisher of men. And that, that's how, how we build the church on that firm foundation, on that Petra, on that revelation of who Jesus is. And man, I know that when we, when we choose to, to be constructionists and build the, the kingdom of God and, and um, just realize who Jesus is and value the word of God, certain things happen. We are given power. God wants a powerful church. I can tell you that some churches and, and the the, the things they believe, the things they proclaim, there is no power in it. But when the true gospel of Jesus is preached, it is always accompanied by power. We are given power over the gates of hell. Hell is a very real thing. Hades is a very real place. And Jesus wants the church to have power over that darkness. He wants the church to be able to go out and shock the darkness. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not that hard to see the direction that a lot of the world is going. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. But we are to choose that narrow way. Amen. That narrow way is through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we're given power. And uh, man, I, I want to talk about just, just the importance of making that decision to follow Jesus. It's not just about accepting a doctrine or accepting you know, a set of beliefs. or, or it, You have to personally decide to follow Jesus. And, and nothing, nothing is going to shift that. No, nothing is going to shake that. It doesn't matter who's around you. It doesn't matter if you're in a red state or a blue state or who's president or who's governor or who's whatever. Like, it it's, it's comes down to you. You have to make a personal decision to follow after Jesus. And when I was 18, I went off to college in Pittsburgh, and, and I, I realized that, that where I was going to school, when I got up Sunday mornings to go to church, I was the only person out of, you know, 20,000 students on that campus that was awake at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., following after Jesus. And, and when, I, when I, you know, walk across campus and go, go catch the bus, ride two buses to get to this 
spirit-filled church an hour and a half away by two buses. I, I, I would sing that song to myself. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Man, man, he has, to, he has to be our focus. He has to be the, the center of everything we do. I love, I love what's spoken in Acts 17, verse 28. In him we live and move and have our very being. In him we live and move and have our very being. And when, when you follow after Jesus, when you make him your priority, when you make him your goal, you're going to really get to know him. Personally and, and, and just, just through your own relationship with him. I like what Paul writes in Philippians 3, verse 10 and 11. He says that, this is his prayer, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. I love that. He realized that, that knowing Jesus, really knowing who Jesus is, when you know Jesus, when you follow after him, when you experience him, when you have a relationship with him, there is going to be power that accompanies that. Resurrection power. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. The church must follow Jesus first. It's his church. It belongs to him. Amen? Man, there's coming a time where things that people get upset about and fall apart about and get offended about really isn't going to matter. You know, I thought about writing a book someday about the various things that people get offended by. And these little offenses that people hold on to, and I'm just shocked by some of the little personality conflicts, little minute things that people just hold on to and just keep chewing on to for a long time. And, and, and um, man, let those things go. Let the, for, for, for the love of Jesus, let a lot of th- those things go. Because, man, in, in the scope of what's happening in, in the realm of the Spirit, it really doesn't matter. And um, any, anyways, that's just a little side note. I, I have to remind myself of that all the time as well. Man, I, I'm, I'm going to get over offense. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be quick to forgive, be quick to move forward, be quick to, to, to see people through the eyes of Jesus. And not just to be wrapped up in myself and my own thoughts, my own feelings, my own wishes, my own whatever, and, and just yield it all to Jesus. Just crucify it. Just, just, man. And then you can experience the power of his resurrection. Right? Let's look at Matthew 5 and start in verse 13. Matthew 5, verse 13. In a couple weeks, I think I'm going to do a series on the Sermon on the Mount, and I'll dive into all of this, but I want to share a little bit here from Matthew 5, um, starting in verse 13. Jesus says here, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? 
It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The church must be a city on a hill. Man, the church is more important today than ever before. Local bodies of believers that are committed to who Jesus is, that are committed to the word of God, that are committed to the power of the gospel, to the, 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 the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Man, this is so absolutely essential for the world today. All of you being here tonight, being here Sunday morning, being committed to, to a household of faith, man, it is so, so absolutely essential. And when Jesus talks about, about the church, you know, when he talks about the church, when he's um, speaking to, to Peter, I'm going to build this church. The Greek word is ekklesia. And it's not, it's not a wimpy word. It's a powerful word. It means to be called out, to, to be an assembly that can make decisions, that, can, that, that has power, that has authority, that, that has a mission. Amen? Man, I'm, I'm really excited about, about, about the church, about being a constructionist about building the kingdom of God. I'm not, you know, on my watch, things aren't going to fall apart. Things aren't going to deconstruct. I can tell you all that. As long as I'm alive, Karis Christian Center will keep constructing and never deconstruct, keep progressing, never regress. Amen? God, God has a, a, a supernatural mission for this church for this body of believers. Amen? I love what the, the writer in Hebrews 10, verse 25 says, we're to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We're to keep coming together and so much the more as we see the day approaching. You know, the, the day is approaching. It's, it's, it's going to be happening Man, there is, there is just acceleration going on right now. And we are to keep being the salt, keep being the light, keep being a city on a hill. Amen? Well, there, there's just a lot of wackadoodle stuff out in the world today. I saw, you know, at Harvard University, a lot of universities were actually started as constructionist places for the kingdom of God, where they would train lawyers and train pastors. I know my, my youngest brother went to Princeton. Princeton was founded to, to, for, for those two purposes, for, for, for training lawyers and for training pastors. I don't know. I, I saw this about Harvard University, that, that, that um, recently there were 31 student groups at Harvard that, that um, were, were protesting against Israel this past week and, and standing for Hamas. They should be arrested. They should be arrested. That'd be like right after 9-11 happening, just, just hordes of Americans saying, you know, we support Al-Qaeda and Osama bin Laden. He, he did a... It's just absolutely insane. And um, 
You know, while we were in Iceland, I never quite um, adjusted. I never, I never got over jet lag. Coming back is really easy because I never, I just kept the same time zone. I just stayed up till 2 a.m. most nights there and would sleep in till 8 or 9. I just never, you know, Heather came, Heather adjusted, and then coming back, she, you know, falls asleep at like 6 p.m. and wakes up at like 3 a.m. And she, she's, but I never had, I just, I just kept my same inner clock going. But while, while she, she was sleeping, I was on Instagram, and for some reason, um, there's different algorithms that different videos pop up, but, but all these, like, deconstructionist videos were popping up. I don't, maybe, maybe people, the, the, the algorithm, the, I don't know, the, the, the yeah, they, they um, anyways, like all these deconstructionists, former pastors who are now, rather than constructing or deconstructing, kept popping up on my phone, and, and I just see all their little videos and topics that they're talking about, and, and uh, and a lot of them were very anti-Israel. I just found it like, like people who are throwing away the Bible, throwing away, you know, the, the truth of God's word, just, just, man, you just, I, I don't want to be going in a certain direction. You know, if you're seeing certain schools of thought, certain philosophies, certain ideas are kind of going a certain way and it's not going in a good way, get, just get off that bandwagon. Get off that bandwagon. Man, you don't want to be on the anti-Israel bandwagon. And God, God has, has a plan of salvation. You can read about it in Romans. He has a plan of salvation for the Gentiles. He has a plan of salvation for the Jews. He has a plan of salvation for the nation of Israel. Two weeks ago, right before all this stuff happened, I was preaching and I was talking about how we're ambassadors for Christ. And I talked about how ambassadors um, have, have ownership of an embassy. I don't know if you guys were here two weeks ago. This is before all the Israel stuff happened, like three or four days before all that stuff broke out. But I, I, I just felt in my spirit just how, how important it was that, that one of our recent presidents decided to, to, to not care about what people think and what Muslim people think and decided to move the U.S. embassy from, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And that, that um, the, the American embassy in Jerusalem, legally, that is American soil. There is American soil in Jerusalem. There are 90, I think 91 or 90, I think actually 96 embassies, foreign embassies in the nation of Israel, and there's only five that are in Jerusalem. And the United States of America is the only superpower nation that, that, that has really chosen to side with Israel. They say, you know, and thankfully this president, who I so happened to vote for two times, I don't know if my vote was always counted, I, I certainly hope it was. But that, there is something very, very significant about there being American soil in Jerusalem, in this eternal city. And that, that was just stirring in my heart. I, I didn't really know why. And just Israel was stirring in my heart, and just the importance of, of, of that. And, and just three days later, all, all this just mayhem broke, broke out. The, the true church will be a friend of the nation of Israel. 
And I just realized these little deconstruction videos that were popping up, a lot of them were anti-Israel. I just thought, how, how crazy can you be to see terrorists you know, fly over and hang gliders and, and behead people and, and, and kidnap women and children and, and just, just, just all, all of those student groups, they, they should just be arrested. Man, man, we, we, we arrest all these people January 6th and put them in jail for decades, yet, yet we have, have outright terrorist lovers, legitimate terrorist lovers in this nation. You might not, they might not have to answer to a governing authority here in the United States, but they, they will, every single person, it is appointed for every man to die and then the judgment. People need to wake up. Jesus is building his church, and his church has power. Amen? The gospel of Jesus always produces power. Hell is a, is, is a reality. Man, what, 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 I, what I saw happen recently between Israel and Hamas, hell is a reality. And some people are trying to usher in hell. They are being motivated by, by the powers of hell. Ephesians 6, let's go to Ephesians 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. So I'm a little fired up tonight. It's okay to be fired up every now and then. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. I think this is a word for all of us. In, in, this, in, the, in the days that we're living in, in the times that we're living. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Man, the gospel of Jesus always produces power. We're to put on the whole armor of God. We're to put on Jesus Christ. Heather and I were kind of talking about, about just this, this movement of, of, of deconstructionism. I was showing her some of these videos, and um, she was just saying a lot of people kind of fall into that trap because they don't, they don't really have a revelation of who Jesus is. They don't really have a, a, a revelation of his grace, of his truth, of his love. They don't really have that personal relationship with him. And they've just been kind of burned by religion. Man, religion is never going to teach you how to put on Christ. About, 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 about this full revelation of truth and grace. That grace, it, it, it frees you, it transforms you, and it empowers you. There is power in the gospel. There is power in the grace of Jesus. Amen? And he wants his church to be a church of power. The devil doesn't care about a powerless church. Now, that, that, that church that we almost rode the elevator up to the top, I, I, I didn't want to see what was up there in the you know, spiritual cloud above that church. I just, you know, I'll save my 10 bucks. 
no thank you. I don't know, it's not the Holy Ghost up there. <laughs> Doctrines of devils and seducing spirits. And Mark 16, verse 17 and 18. Jesus says this about his church. These signs will follow those who believe in my name. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Now, I have good news for all of you here tonight. The devil doesn't have any new schemes. He was stripped of his power, he was defeated, he was, he was stripped and just made a public spectacle. 2,000 years ago. And he is still weak. He is still powerless. He is still defeated. And we have more than enough power over all of the works of the enemy. Jesus said this in John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Man, that, that power of the abundant life, that power of, of being a new creation in Christ, it is still available to us today. Amen? And my last point is this, that with that power, we are given authority. Amen? We have authority from Jesus. I love that song that we sang, Sunday Champion. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. While we were singing that second service, um, after, after the service, um, a lady came up to Michelle and, and shared a testimony with her. She said, I, I've had um, nerve damage um, from my mouth to the back of my neck. And it was so bad that, that she was actually supposed to get surgery on this nerve. I don't know what it entails. I haven't spoken to the woman myself, but she said it, the pain was so bad that she was supposed to have surgery, but she decided to put the surgery off. Um, she was inspired by Andrew Walmack's sermon here just a few weeks ago. That she needed to keep believing God for her healing. And um, um, she said at service, you know, when she got here, she had that same pain, just tremendous pain, but during that song, God touched her, and that pain went away completely. And she said the way she left was not the way that she came in. Man, I, I'm glad that we have power, but we also have authority to use that power. We have authority. There is something important. Man, man, one, I've kind of realized that there, there are three topics that really offend a lot of people, that really offend the, the world and really offend this religious spirit. And uh, man, if, if, if the world is being offended and you're being offended by the same thing, something's wrong. So I've realized that, that this three things that really offend the world that really offend you, NBC, CNN, CBS, just that really offend worldly people and simultaneously really offend religious people. These three things. Healing. Preaching that it's God's will to, to heal really offends that religious spirit Preaching provision, preaching prosperity. He gives us the power to get wealth. It just stirs, it, 
You know, it, it, just if you're offended by the same stuff that non-believers that the world is offended by, be be careful. And and authority, healing, prosperity, and authority. Those three topics really offend religion and the world. I could, I could go deep into that, but I'm not going to right now. There's a lot of examples on, on you know, big scale to small scale. You know, even, even my dad brought up certain you know, D20 school board candidates that aren't going to step foot in a church to debate or, or speak their mind. It's kind of interesting what offends people. And, and, you know, if it was, if it was a, a church with a, a rainbow flag and prayers to the queer God, they're probably fine going in there and speaking their whatever. Anyways, we have authority. And our authority comes from knowing Jesus. Our authority comes from knowing Jesus. If you don't really know Jesus, the devil doesn't really care. I was thinking about the sons of Sceva. They were trying to cast out demons in Acts 19, and they were trying to, you know, in the, in the name of Jesus and in the name of, you know, from Paul, who, who preaches Jesus. And they were overwhelmed because they didn't really know Jesus. That power, that authority, it stems from a personal revelation, a personal relationship with Jesus. If you don't have that, the, the devil can walk all over you. But when, when you know who Jesus is, man, we, we are raised up together with him. Ephesians 2, 6, we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Talk about authority. Matthew 16, verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Man, this, this thing that Jesus spoke right here in Matthew 16, 19, this could offend a lot of religious people. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. If I were to walk up to just a religious person who doesn't really know Jesus and say, I have the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that'd probably offend someone who didn't have that same key. If they have that same key, they get excited. You know, oh, Shabbat you know, you get a little, you can tell when someone's got the Holy Ghost in them. When they got that authority inside of them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is my conclusion. Jesus, he is our firm foundation. His word is our firm foundation. I love the word of God is never going to change. Jesus is never going to change. His promises will never change. Keep building your life. Keep building your faith upon Jesus and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.